Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Group of five. Group of five live. Group of five. Group of five live. Are we talking about the American? Yeah. USA. Yeah. Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mountain West. Yeah. And the Sun Belt. Oh, yeah. Group of Five Live is part of the Landry Football Network. My name's Chris Mykoski. We're here to recap week one action across the Group of Five landscape. But technically, week one isn't over yet. We're in the holiday weekend, and we have Monday night Labor Day football coming up this evening. Navy hosting BYU. So... Look forward to that if you're listening to us on Monday, 8 Eastern, 7 Central on ESPN. But for now, let's look back at the Saturday games. We had six on the schedule, all of them involving group of five teams. That'll change this coming weekend when some of the Power Five leagues start getting into action. But for now, on this particular week, it was all about the group of five teams. So really cool to see some, some extra attention paid to those schools. And it all started on Saturday morning with Marshall against Eastern Kentucky. And the Thundering Herd just demolished the FCS opponent 59 to nothing. And then about half an hour after Marshall started, the other early game was Middle Tennessee at Army. And that one couldn't have gone worse for the group of five team. Uh, the Blue Raiders lost 42 to nothing to the Black Knights. And unfortunately for the Blue Raiders, the sequence that got the most attention from that game was one where they just had the worst clock management that you're probably going to see all year long. 30 seconds ticking off between snaps. Ugh, just overall, the whole thing, you just you want to forget it. But they had 45 seconds to go in the first half, down 21 zip, and they have first and goal at the two-yard line. So, you know, at that point, you think, all right, punch it in, get seven, 
down by 14 at the break, it'll feel somewhat manageable, right? You know, it's not a huge, it's not a huge deficit, 14 points. Teams have certainly come back from more than that. So take advantage of this opportunity, but they couldn't do it. And probably the thing that irks most people the most is that they left timeouts in their pocket. At that time, 45 seconds left, first half, on the two-yard line, first and goal, two timeouts remaining. But just couldn't get the job done. Uh, shotgun, snap, got past the quarterback, ended up being a big loss. And then again, they needed 30 seconds between snaps there. Finally got a playoff, completed a pass, but C.J. Windham fell short of the goal line, four seconds remaining, and the clock ran out, went into the locker room without getting a field goal attempted, without anything, and down 21 nothing. And they end up seeing the second half go just as bad as the first. 42 nothing ended up being the final. So those two games being so lopsided, I imagine a lot of you probably stepped away for a while and came back for the afternoon game, mid-afternoon. It was Texas State hosting SMU. I had Brant Freeman on from the Bobcats ESPN crew. And uh, last Friday, to preview that one, SMU ends up uh, with 31-24 win. Shane Bouchelle. 367 yards, big, but Mustangs had a couple of turnovers in the second half that allowed the Bobcats to stay in that one. Mustangs just happy to survive in advance. Uh, we'll talk to Rich Phillips, the voice of the SMU Mustangs, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Our other uh, spotlight game from Saturday was Memphis and Arkansas State. We had Jeff Brightwell from the Tigers Radio Network on the show last Friday. And uh, Memphis ends up winning 37 to 24. Brady White, four touchdown passes, 275 yards. And I saw on a couple of different big time college football Twitter accounts, polls about which group of five team would make it into the New Year's six bowls this year. And considering that Memphis was the team last year, that they have Brady White back, that they have a lot of other weapons returning. What blew my mind was not that the Memphis, you know, Memphis lost the poll, that's fine, but to not include Memphis. Memphis was not even listed as one of the choices. That I don't get. I, I think given what returns, you have to think they are the, they're the favorite until they get knocked off. You got to beat the guy to be the guy. So, Memphis will remain at the top of my group of five list until further notice. They're there until they get knocked off. But the other two uh, primetime games were both group of five teams against FCS opponents, both of them in the state of Texas. North Texas, it was really no contest against Houston Baptist, 57 to 31. And then UTEP against Stephen F. Austin ended up being a lot closer than minor fans would have liked to have seen. 24-14 uh, ended up being the final, but UTEP added an insurance touchdown. 
in the fourth. SFA was actually with eight minutes left. They were in the red zone and had the chance to take the lead. Uh, but UTEP ended up coming away with an interception. And again, just week one, take it on the FCS team, survive and advance. And you're happy. You might not be over the top thrilled, but you're happy to get the W and, and move on and just uh, think about what's next. We'll talk to John Teicher about that game and about the Miners program as a whole uh, coming up in just a little bit. But we will start on the hilltop, focusing on the SMU Mustangs. For 20 years, Rich Phillips has been the voice of the SMU Mustangs. SMU picked up a 31-24 win over Texas State in week one. And Rich, week two was supposed to bring us the Battle of the Iron Skillet with the Mustangs traveling over to Fort Worth to play TCU. It's officially postponed right now, but any chance it actually gets played? Uh, the only way I think I see it getting played is if there's another cancellation on everybody's schedule, which, by the way, may very well happen. Uh, they don't have any off dates that line up right at this point. So it uh, seems like it'd be pretty hard for them to figure out a time to play. But uh, I know they're not going to give up on it totally just yet. Now, I was watching with my dad. He's an SMU grad. And, you know, uh, I told him I'd head home when SMU went up by two touchdowns. But thanks to a couple of turnovers, that never happened. So what was the mood like in the booth as SMU just kept finding ways to let Texas State stay in that game? Yeah, uh, I know I never felt confident about it until the closing minutes of the game. Like it's never They just didn't quite click on offense in uh, some areas where they needed to. Uh, Still trying to find their way a little bit, I think, here early in the season. What's the latest on Reggie Robertson? Uh, missed the last five games last year with a foot injury, and SMU fans certainly got a bit of a scare with him leaving the field in third. But then he comes back and catches a 51-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely thought uh, the worst because he's had a little bit of an injury history. Uh, two years ago, his first year here at SMU, he missed a – chunk of games in the middle of the season with uh, leg injuries and then last year the foot injury suffered in Houston and missed the last five. Uh, yeah, he, he actually rode a cart up to the locker room entrance during Saturday's game and we didn't know if we were going to see him again. The next thing I know he had a 51-yard touchdown so it appeared like it was just something minor. I don't know you know a lot of guys were cramping during the game. Yeah. Uh, it was it was warm and really muggy and you know week one you see a lot of that. I don't know if it was something like that. Uh, we weren't given any specifics but uh, we're sure good to see him back doing what he does. Speaking of that when you you're looking for those specifics and in this COVID season just do you have the opportunity to even have a sideline reporter right now to try to dig up those details? I know things get cut back a bit. Yeah, Steve Lansdale was on the sideline for us, and uh, at Texas State, at least, uh, we know they had enough room on their sideline that they had uh, a rope set up behind the bench area where he was allowed to walk behind it. Now, at other stadiums, we don't know if that'll be the case. I, I bet at TCU it would not have been the case this week that we played that game because it's pretty tight. I don't believe at SMU he's going to be able to walk on the sideline. I think he'll have to stand in the end zone and try to do his job from there. Uh, it's it's one of these weird things, you know, we – 
we did a broadcast together for three and a half hours on Saturday and never saw each other because he wasn't cleared by his credential and protocol to come up to the press box and vice versa. I wasn't cleared to go down to the field. So we never saw each other in person on the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of that. That was actually my last uh, sideline gig was doing the armed forces bowl in Fort Worth. And yeah, it's, it's tight under normal circumstances during a pandemic. I don't think I'd want to be down there either. Uh, well, ESPN on their broadcast, they kept flashing up this football power index that SMU is projected for just six wins this season. Coming off a 10-win year and Shane Bouchelle, a lot of great pieces coming back, that seems really low. I mean, what are the expectations there on the Hilltop? Uh, seems really low to me and I think to everybody over here too. I mean, first off, if you look at their non-conference with TCU out of the mix now, you'd still think they're going to get three wins in non-conference. Already have one. They've got uh, North Texas coming up uh, a week from Saturday and then uh, their last non-conference game is Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, I, I, you know, the American is certainly, you know, in that group of five is the top. I think we all agree in the group of five. Um, I, I would say uh, if it's only six wins, it's going to be really disappointing this season. I think they're uh, certainly in line for a lot more than that. Do I understand the rules right and that nobody's actually burning eligibility in this COVID season? So Shane could technically come back for his sixth year in 2021? Yeah, that's what my understanding is, too, that uh, it's not just if you opt out, you get to have your year of eligibility, but they're letting basically everybody have another year of eligibility. I was talking to Sonny Dykes about it the other day and how you, you know, with the new redshirt rule we've had the last year or two where you can play four games and still redshirt. He's like, yeah, we don't have to worry about it now. Everybody's redshirting this year. So conceivably, yes, Shane Bouchel could come back for another year, you know. Uh, SMU's got Richard McBride starting at um, a middle linebacker who had transferred last year from Auburn, and he's already in his sixth year because of uh, some injury issues he had when he was at Auburn. So I guess he could get a seventh year too. <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't know how all that's going to affect recruiting because right. you're going to run out of scholarships. And I don't know how you're going to sign your next class. It's uh, and who knows who's going to come back too. Some of these guys, you know, Shane already has his master's degree too. I know he's working on his second master's and. Some of those guys are going to want to go try to play professional football, too. Sure, yeah. I was making that comment on Saturday that Shane might just be going after his doctorate uh, next <laughs> season, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Uh, I, I ran out to the stores for a little bit during the game, so I got to hear your call for a bit, and I can't remember whether it was on ESPN or on the ticket that the analyst said, you know, TJ McDaniel's a solid back, but Ulysses Bentley is, quote, a dude. So regardless of labels, those are really two special guys. I mean, how is that workload going to be shared? Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see, too. I mean, it, you know, we didn't see either one very much last year. McDaniel was a true freshman last year out of South Lake Carroll. His lone big game was Texas State. Uh, he ran for 159 and three touchdowns on him last year. At least on Saturday, he's the primary guy. He got the, the bulk of the work, but the touchdowns were mostly delivered by Ulysses Bentley. He's a speed guy. He's a lot faster, a real burner, and, and one of the fastest, if not the fastest, guys on the team. So it's a pretty good little mix between those two. Um, obviously, a lot of us up here at Dallas-Fort Worth know a lot more about TJ and uh, his pedigree coming up through Southlake and huge couple of years he had at Southlake Carroll. So uh, good mix, and uh, we got a ways to go to find out how they're replacing for two seniors that they had in the backfield last year. Now uh, the SMU goes to your alma mater, North Texas, in two weeks. And 
Mean Green had 721 yards of total offense versus Houston Baptist. You know, take that for what it's worth against HBU. But I think we could be looking at a shootout. What are you expecting in that game? Well, we thought we were going to see a shootout Saturday in San Marcos, sure. and it was 31-24. <laughs> so who knows? You know, I, I, I felt really – Weird going into the game Saturday, probably because I had not seen one snap of practice because I'm not allowed to here and during the COVID days. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. And I think that's what we saw was what we wouldn't expect, uh, a slug it out of air between those two teams. Uh, man, there, there's so many question marks, you know. The biggest thing for us going up to last week was just let's get to September 5th and get to the game. As we see, not everybody's able to do that with TCU this week. And I think that's the same thing. You just kind of survive in advance, but it's just week by week it's survive in advance in the regular season right now. I mentioned off the top, 20 years as the voice of the Mustangs. You had 18 years on the ticket, which for those who are listening from outside of Dallas-Fort Worth, the top radio station in town and maybe the top one in the country. Anything in particular that you can give us as far as wisdom on how to last so long in just two incredible positions, jobs that guys would kill for. Keep working hard and don't say no. You know, they ask you to do something different, especially in my days at the ticket. They asked me to do something different. Okay, you know. One day they suddenly decided they wanted to be to be a manager of some people there. I was like, okay, I'm not sure how I qualified for that. But, uh, yeah, just keep working hard don't say no. You know, we keep doing – a few things different here and there with SMU too and getting more into the digital space, things like that. And try to come up with a few ideas they can make money off of too. All right, Rich. Well, I'm hoping uh, your 20th year on the mic for SMU football is actually completed, seen all the way through. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you down the line as the Mustangs continue on in this 2020 season. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. The 20-year run from Rich Phillips as the voice of SMU is obviously impressive. But how about we double that? John Teicher is in his 40th season as the voice of UTEP. John, there were only three chances for an FCS team to upset an FBS opponent on Saturday. They were all avoided, but SFA certainly made UTEP nervous. How are you feeling when the Lumberjacks got up 14-3? to three? Well, obviously, you'd rather not see uh, anything like that. You'd obviously like a, a strong wire-to-wire -wire effort. It's not as though UTEP played poorly early, but uh, indeed it was early. It was in the first, uh, what, uh, 18 minutes of the game that the, uh, the Lumberjacks took that 14-3 to three lead, and then UTEP got a couple of touchdowns in the last – two and a half minutes of the first half to take the halftime lead and then just the one score in the fourth quarter. So yeah, yeah, obviously you'd rather have a, a wire to wire type uh, situation, but uh, in UTEP's case, uh, Chris, uh, all that matters is the W. It doesn't matter uh, how they come. Uh, just getting the victory is, is what's important. Yeah. Survive in advance. I'm sure there was some uh, nervous energy in the booth when SFA was driving late and got into the red zone with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter but Deron Lowe steps in and grabs the INT. I didn't get a chance to hear your call. I only got to hear the ESPN. So I imagine you were a little bit more hyped up for that moment than uh, a lot of others on Saturday night. 
Well, particularly because uh, UTEP uh, doesn't have a recent history of making plays like that. Uh, one of the big uh, things, I think, Chris, going into the season for UTEP was trying to be more disruptive defensively, trying to become a, a program and, and specifically a defense that uh, created more turnovers. They took the ball away from their opponents only 10 times in 12 games last year. So to get two in the opener, albeit against uh, an FCS opponent, uh, was certainly a, a positive and hopefully uh, for UTEP, it's something that continues. Well, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball before we go over to the offense then. Um, Davion Inyang with a forced fumble, six tackles just flying all over the place. Uh, talk a little bit about Inyang and just anybody else you think are really going to be defensive playmakers that we need to watch out for. Well, Inyang's a guy that they had identified coming out of the junior college ranks uh, a year ago. He played behind uh, some veteran players uh, last year, saw quite a bit of time as a reserve and obviously on special teams, but was earmarked to be UTEP's uh, top nickelback this year. And UTEP uh, uses five defensive backs uh, quite a bit in pass-happy uh, Conference USA. So Inyang is a player that uh, UTEP felt good about uh, when they brought him uh, originally into the program, and certainly even more so uh, now that he's, uh, he's a, a primary defender. Miners went heavily, heavily into the junior college ranks uh, this offseason, looking for immediate help uh, particularly up front and at the linebacking position. And they've got the duo of uh, Kelton Moss and Keenan Stewart uh, inside on their uh, front four that they hope will allow the Miners to hold up uh, a little bit better and more consistently against the running game and uh, provide uh, a pass rushing uh, presence and tangle up the offensive line to the extent that uh, UTEP can get some pressure maybe on the edges uh, with their with their pass rush and linebacker. Uh, Tyrese Knight and Gary Theard brought in from the junior college ranks to augment uh, that particular uh, position. And uh, and even in the secondary, a couple of JUCOs were brought in, although that's uh, largely an experienced uh, uh, spot in that uh, UTEP defense. But Dennis Barnes, uh, because of injury out of the junior college ranks, had to step in and, uh, and play uh, as a starter and played quite a bit and played quite well. Uh, from what I, I'm told in the opener on uh, on Saturday. Uh, one guy who is not among those JUCO transfers, but a redshirt freshman local kid, uh, Dion Hankins, uh, Parkland High School, all-state player, the kind of talent that can really, I would think, make your city catch fire for the minors when you, they see a local kid making big plays for the hometown school. Well, I think particularly for Dion, coming on the uh, heels of the success that Aaron Jones had, not only at UTEP, but obviously carried over into the NFL, uh, leading the, uh, the league in, uh, in, touch, in total touchdowns uh, scored with 19 a year ago. Aaron was a local boy, so for uh, Dion Hankins to, to follow him, rushed for nearly 8,000 yards in, uh, in high school at, uh, at Parkland High School here in El Paso. It's always nice. Uh, particularly in a, in a city like El Paso, which is so much about uh, family and such. Uh, it's, it's nice for a local boy to succeed. And certainly in, uh, in his first extended action, uh, Deion Hankins was able to do that on, on Saturday. Yeah, he had two touchdowns, 113 rushing yards, a couple of 20-plus yard rushes in there. And uh, I want to shift over to something that's going to be so special to the Miners 
going forward, really hopefully for as long as the program exists. And that's the number two jersey. Uh, Luke Laufenberg wore it. He died at just 21 years old, battling Burkitt's lymphoma. Quadres Wadley gets the honor of wearing that number this season. Uh, just if you could tell us a little bit about the importance of carrying on Luke's legacy and making sure everyone knows about his heart and his fight. Well, Luke, Luke Laufenberg made a very uh, big impression on the UTEP program and, and those that, that, that follow the UTEP program in a very, very short period of time, uh, Chris. He was a kid that UTEP had, had recruited and actually came into camp uh, with the minors before he was afflicted with uh, his, his, his cancer. And he showed, showed uh, so much strength and so much courage uh, at such a young age and, and uh, battling such a horrible disease. And, uh, you know, again, even after a year, a year after uh, passing along, uh, obviously uh, Luke's uh, spirit uh, and, and his impact on this program uh, still very much remains. And uh, he and, and, and Quadres, who's a veteran player and is in his uh, fifth year in the UTEP program, uh, grew very, very close in a short period of time. And Quadres was the one that campaigned to wear uh, the number two uh, jersey. And, uh, and obviously, it means a lot to him. So uh, uh, Luke Laufenberg, uh, gone, but uh, again, certainly not forgotten, won't be forgotten, and, and, and has had a very profound effect on this, uh, on this UTEP program. Obviously, here where I am in Dallas-Fort Worth, we heard all about Luke from his dad, uh, former Cowboys quarterback, Babe Laufenberg, and obviously longtime personality on the CBS affiliate here. So, uh, you know, Luke's story is traveling well beyond El Paso. And I imagine that really everywhere that UTEP goes from now until forever, really, they'll see that number two and his story will be told. And uh, that'll be a fantastic thing. Um, Obviously, you get the spotlight this weekend at DKR Memorial Stadium. Miners have never won there, 0-5 all-time against Texas. I was kind of surprised looking at that series history that uh, the Longhorns and Miners haven't met up more often. But, you know, you always hear coaches say the biggest improvement is between game one and game two. So maybe that's an advantage for UTEP, having had that warm-up against SFA, and Texas will come in untested. Well, particularly with a quarterback who was making his first uh, start last week in, in Gavin Hardison, I think that was, uh, you know, that, that, that'll be important moving, moving forward. And, and the many new faces that I was talking about, particularly on the defensive side of things, the ability to get their feet wet in and in obviously a, a much better setting for them before they go into uh, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium uh, this, this coming Saturday. The Miners very appreciative that uh, – uh, the one game that uh, the Longhorns are going to play outside the Big 12 this year is is against uh, UTEP. Obviously, they could have chosen uh, South Florida, but chose to keep it within the University of Texas uh, family. And in this uh, era or this season, certainly where uh, uh, revenues and, and finances, particularly for a program at UTEP's level, are so significant. Yeah. Uh, this game is really, really important for UTEP in that regard in terms of uh, keeping their program uh, uh, alive and, uh, and keeping it solvent. So uh, uh, I think we're all looking forward to going in and, and, and seeing the Longhorns this weekend. 
Last thing for you, John, uh, as we mentioned, 40th season in the booth, and you welcome in a new color man in Mike Perez, who played quarterback for the Miners. How cool is that for you to have a former player that you called his games back in the 90s uh, joining you upstairs? Well, it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent, that sort of thing. Uh, not only do I have a former uh, play, minor player uh, next to me in the booth, but uh, now I'm starting to see kids coming into the UTEP program and in other programs, for that matter, whose, uh, whose uh, fathers uh, I described uh, their action, uh, whether it be at UTEP or, uh, or otherwise, that's becoming prevalent. But uh, Mike's a guy who uh, uh, embodies a lot of what uh, this UTEP program certainly is right now and uh, has, uh, has done himself and, uh, and certainly the UTEP uh, program proud and uh, only the third full-time uh, color man I've had in the 40 years uh, calling the, the minors game. So uh, to have a, a familiar uh, face and, and, and personality and, uh, and, and a former minor beside me is, uh, is, uh, is going to be terrific moving forward. Well, John, uh, Nate Ryan did a great story on you on KVIA. I watched uh, this morning just a trip down memory lane over those 40 years. I'll put a link to that video in the, in the show notes and uh, let people know a little bit more about your time there in El Paso. And I look forward to catching up with you in person later on this season. I'll have the call of a UTEP La Tech on ESPN. So uh, good, looking forward to catching up from uh, six feet apart uh, there in Ruston. Me too, Chris. Look forward to it, uh, what, about a month from now, right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Really appreciate John and Rich spending some time with us today. The longevity just blows my mind. The longest I've ever held a job is eight years. So to be able to do the same gig and do it at such an incredibly high level. Both these guys are so good at what they do. Rich has done it now for 20 years, John for 40 at the same school, just awesome. Uh, and again, just appreciate them so much. If you're listening to this on Monday, you have group of five football coming up this evening, Navy hosting BYU. 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central on ESPN. And normally here on the Monday episode of Group of Five Live, we would preview Thursday action coming up, but there's just one Thursday game, and it involves a team that we've already spotlighted. So uh, UAB is taking on Miami. That game's Thursday night at Hard Rock Stadium. And uh, we talked to Steve Irvine last week, so we don't wanna double dip with UAB that quickly. I mean, we'll obviously come back to the Blazers later on in the year if they, uh, if they have the kind of season that we're expecting them to have, a really good ball club. But uh, don't wanna get too much Blazers too soon. Uh, eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central, Thursday night, uh, UAB at Miami. That's on ACC Network. And the funny thing, uh, Steve actually did ask to be on again, <laughs> just out of superstition. But, uh, but we'll hold off. We'll get, uh, we'll get Steve back a little bit later on 
in the season. We will be back on Friday with another edition of Group of Five Live here on the Landry Football Network, uh, expecting to be expected to be joined by Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of Coastal Carolina, before the Chanticleers take on Kansas on Saturday night. So really excited to have our first head coach on the new program. And that'll just be in episode four. Uh, you can get news on all of the different conferences across FBS football here on the Landry Football Network. Just subscribe to Landry's Football Conference Call wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And again, we'll be back for another Group of Five Live dropping on Friday. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you then. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.